You survived another week, and I'm so glad you did. Welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. This week, small town, zombie strike 79. My thoughts on the National Rifle Association's annual meeting, 2011. I got some friends and companies that I interview in between. Cinco de Mayo, Mother's Day, a historical event, barbers out turkey hunting, and more. Coming up next on episode 216 of your favorite righteous podcast, The Urban Shooter. Crossbreedholsters.com presents The Urban Shooter Podcast. This is the program variety show that features inspiration, observations, and conversations about life, the shooting sports, and more. And here he is, now helping you survive another week, your friend and brother from a different mother, the black man with a gun, the pastor of patriots, paladins, and pistoleros, Ken Blanchard. Hey, hey, hey. Glad you could come back. I'm Ken Blanchard, and you can reach me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to send me a critique, a note, voicemail message, a uh, plea for help, a prayer request, blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. That's it, blackmanwithagun.com. It's a real email. It is. It's a real website. Check it out when you get the chance. The show notes will be there. KenBlanchard.com or BlackManWithTheGun.com. They both go to the same spot. I just redesigned it because I got tired of that purple and all that crazy stuff. So I'm trying to clean it up a little bit, get more professional. You can call me too, toll free. Thanks to generous support from a handful of people, I get to have a toll free number that in case somebody needs to reach me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it will record their message and I can retrieve it no matter where I am on the globe and I'll respond back to you as soon as I can which is usually soon after you call that number is 888-675-0202 you got it? cool this week man we're going to talk about the NRA I got a chance to uh, to go and I almost didn't make it but I'll tell you about that in a minute this week, you know, some important stuff happened in the world. But I won't get into it because I don't want nobody coming after me. But also, we celebrate the Cinco de Mayo this week. It's one of them drinking holidays. Actually, the Battle of May 5th, 1862, was in Puebla, Mexico, between 4,000 Mexican army troops and 8,000 French troops. The Mexicans defeated the French, who were better trained and equipped. And the holiday is celebrated more here in the U.S. than it is in Mexico. The French at the time was the strongest army and had not been defeated in 50 years. They later conquered Mexico and were kicked out when the Mexicans fought for their independence. The 5th of May, Cinco de Mayo, has special significance for the U.S. because the French planned to use Mexico as a stepping stone to arm the Confederate Army. The U.S. was in the middle of the Civil War. The French, after having been beaten by the Mexicans, abandoned the plan of arming the Confederate Army. Now, ain't that some stuff? Also, I want to wish all the mothers a happy Mother's Day. I love my mom, and she should have a day. Mothers make a big impact on your life. And we always should give them their props. Who else? When you were a little kid, you could go outside and get a stick out the creek that looked like a piece of driftwood. Put a couple of nicks in it. Say, you know, I'm going to spell out my mom's name on it. Or I'm going to put my name, Love Ken. Take this dirty stick into the kitchen. Your mom is washing the dishes or cooking or cleaning or just got back home from working the whole day and she stops for a minute and gives you all her attention and you present this dirty little stick and you say, Ma, I gave you this because I love you and see I put my name on it and your mother will take that little dirty stick. Her eyes will well up with water and she'll start to cry 
and she'll grab you and hug you and say, oh, baby, thank you. That's a mama. And then when your dad comes home, he yells at you to get that stick off the table. You see why you don't get no card. But happy Mother's Day to all the special women that God blessed to bear children, raise children. Some that didn't even uh, give birth to. I love you mothers. You mothers make a difference. You mothers have big hearts. You mothers care. If it weren't for you mothers, I don't know where I'd be. You mothers put up with a lot, and that's a mother in itself. And for you mothers that hunt, shoot, and fish, like Barbara, who we'll talk to in a minute, I really appreciate you for being a part of the Urban Shooter Podcast Show. Now, also this week in history, members of the military that wear a gold trident on their chest spent the weekend uh, putting an outlaw to rest. I just want to give you your props from somebody who's trained with you and knows of your bravado, who's trained with you in Norfolk and in Coronado. Now, we know the press is making it tough for you to follow through and get the rest. But, got to give it to you. You are the best of the best. Thanks, fellas. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, you know, I almost didn't go to the National Rifle Association's annual meeting, and I really wanted to go. But when it got down close to the time, I was having second thoughts. I got like a little bit too many things going on in my world. I'm a full-time ordained Christian pastor of a small Baptist church in Washington, D.C. So that rev at the beginning of my name was not earned off the Internet and not given to me by the state so I can perform weddings for my friends. I got that joke of being grilled on biblical knowledge, like 200 questions in the old school tradition, standing in front of a congregation, friends, family, and 19 senior pastors that were trying to find fault. I got three other ministers on my staff. I I do the funeral thing, the baptisms, the baby dedications, the house blessings, the Bible study thing, preach every Sunday, and I make sure 40 people get fed the truth, the word of God understand and grow in Christ and are able to survive another week of worldly foolishness. And it's a high order. I also work 40 hours for a company that supports our national defense, utilizing my 20 plus years in that business. I'm a full-time husband and father of two. I am the black man with a gun. And that's the dude that's been pro-gun grassroots since about 1991. I'm also a former U.S. Marine, federal police officer, and a professional firearms trainer, or I was. I've lived overseas and traveled to 15 countries doing executive protection. I've lobbied the U.S. Congress. I've testified in the state legislatures of Virginia, Texas, South Carolina, Michigan, Maryland, and Wisconsin. I've done TV commercials against racist gun laws and been featured in three documentaries. I do all of that on a constant. And I squeezed all of that into one weekend and successfully, by the grace of God, pulled it all off. I didn't think it was going to happen there for a minute. But I want to share with you what happened as best I can. I'm only going to give you about 20 minutes or so of it. Um, It was a full day. And uh, walk with me. So let me tell you what the issue was. I had a church meeting scheduled. We have quarterly meetings, and our first one was Saturday. I realized that I also had another commitment to preach that afternoon on Sunday as a 26th anniversary of another church. A friend had called me to remind me to bring my church, to make sure that um, you bring the word, brother, because you're going to preach on Sunday for our anniversary. 
And I also had to preach for our service Sunday morning. I was feeling kind of split. So I said, Lord, can I do it? And he said, roll on. So I did. This is it. So I, him and hauled all week long. I thought, man, all right, let me get the podcast out and I'll just think about it. Friday came and wasn't really happy. I thought, okay, let me call my best friend at work and see if he wants to ride with me. He's not an NRA member yet, but maybe he'll he'll ride with me and that'll give me some incentive to uh, to keep on going. The NRA annual meeting, the 140th of it in Pittsburgh. They call it the Rivers of Freedom Tour this time, 2011. It was going to be a big to-do, always is. What the NRA thing is, is it's like all the members get there and it's a big gun show, but you can't really buy anything. The um, There's some smaller dealers sometimes there, but for the most part, um, no guns are sold. It's just stuff. You can buy like holsters and you can buy um, a whole bunch of junk. But I had to be there because I knew I would meet a few people that I talked to on the internet and I said, all right, that means I got to get up Saturday morning for a one-day trip, like at 2 o'clock in the morning. And maybe I can drive four or five hours up there. Wasn't quite sure how long it was going to take me. And maybe find an IHOP somewhere, get some sustenance, get some energy, and then pull on into the place and hang out with the Second Amendment folks. That was my goal, to be at their booth. They were at uh, booth number 325, maybe Twitter a little bit, and then... uh Say hi to a few people and then bug out of there that afternoon while everybody went to the, the big banquet, drive back home, catch some shut-eye, and then preach on Sunday two times. Well, the wife says, why don't you leave around 5 o'clock in the morning? That means you get some good sleep, and then you get there maybe about 10 or 9 when the thing opens. And I thought... Five sure sounds a lot better than two. Thanks, babe. So, called my buddy Daryl. He said, man, whatever you want to do, I ride shotgun. I'm just here to support you. I thought, wow. All right, man, be at the house at 0400. We're going to pull off at 4 o'clock. I wanted to be there at registration time. Well, from Washington, D.C. to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, it's almost a 45 degree angle straight up, straight up Route 70. There wasn't a car in sight. It was the most uneventful, beautiful ride I can remember. By the time the sun came up over the mountains, we were in Pennsylvania, watching the cows and the rolling hills and the mountains of Pennsylvania. Hardly any traffic at all. I was thanking God the whole time up the mountain. When we finally got into Pittsburgh proper, uh, I got lost like I always do. I took one wrong exit and then got stuck on a whole bunch of bridges. And we just kept flipping around these bridges. But I managed to get back with Daryl's help. And uh, we got right in line, ended up right next to the uh, convention center. And I saw that everybody was going in the wrong direction. or not wrong direction, but they weren't looking for openings. So I pulled on to the left and moved up quite a bit. Took a couple of quick turns. The next thing I know, I saw a sign for a parking garage. Pulled right in there and found a parking space. How great was that? We got there about 8.05. Took a stretch and uh, got some coffee. Got to get that Dunkin' Donuts in. And uh, we walked on downstairs from the parking garage and Got in the line. Man, it was already folks coming from everywhere. You could tell. I mean, you can tell from the outside how busy it was. It hadn't even opened yet. And uh, Daryl signed up and became an NRA life member. Not life member, but an annual member. And they found out that I had my little life membership thing. And uh, I got my little badge. And we went on inside. Cruise up the big escalator. And uh, 9 o'clock, the doors open. 
and we were right on in the place. And uh, I went straight to the Second Amendment Foundation booth and uh, found my old friends, Dave Workman, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Waldron, Alan Gottlieb, and Peggy Tartaro from Women and Guns magazine. It was great. Didn't see Joe Tartaro there. He was uh, still resting. You know, he just turned 80 recently. So uh, he earned the opportunity to sleep late. Well, the first booth I ran into was Blackhawk and my buddy um, Chuck. And uh, that was a good time. It was like meeting old friends. And that kind of took it right from there. Uh, We hung out for a while and they said that John Lott was coming to sign books. And I kind of helped sell some stuff at the Second Amendment Foundation booth and got a great opportunity to talk to uh, Alan by himself. And I asked him. Were you in law enforcement, a professor, or a lawyer? How'd you get into this thing? You know what he told me? He's a nuclear physicist. I never knew that. Well, we chatted a little bit longer, and Colonel showed up, and he was going for it, man. Talking about all kind of stuff. Told me all kind of um, jokes that you can't say out in public. But that's what he does. And, uh... We was enjoying life. I mean, I'm just kind of hanging out there. And Daryl took off. And I said, hey, man, I'll just catch you. Phone you when I need you. So um, the first person who found us was the guy from um, No Lawyers, Only Guns and Money's blog. Him and his wife. Great, great couple. Big shout out to John Richardson and his wife. They started it off, man. That was like really cool. I got a little while longer and then I uh, slipped to the left of me and found out there were some cowboy dudes like right around the corner. And one of them I actually knew. It was Denny Chapman from the first series of uh, Top Shot. Man, it was like we were related. I mean, he was like really happy to see me. And that just makes you feel good. I, I mean, just when you get like somebody genuinely like you. And here's me and Denny. What's, what's been happening since we last spoke on Urban Shooter Podcast? Well, first off, Ken, it sure is good to see you again, partner. And uh, this is such a neat occasion here at the NRA convention in, in Pittsburgh. The um, the people that are here are just fantastic. And uh, it's, it's still nice to kind of uh, be recognized and be a part of promoting Second Amendment rights. And that's what this convention is all about. Personally, uh, it's just been gangbusters since Top Shot last year. Um, obviously, you know, when you... When you're on a national televised show, um, people recognize you and uh, want to be affiliated with you. They want to meet you. We've had a lot of calls from different companies that have asked us to endorse their products and things like that, some media projects, television commercials and things. And it just, I just feel very blessed and uh, uh, thank God for all the opportunities that have come my way. It's been great. I heard that, man. I heard that. Man, it's really, really good seeing you. <laughs> thank you, Ken. You too, partner. And then what happened after that, um, Denny introduced me to his partner, who's a exhibition shooter and does tricks with uh, whips and pistols, all dressed up in Western garb. And Deke was like, was like Johnny Ringo, man. He was bad. And I got a, a little video that I'll play of him. I guess I'll put it up on the site. It'll be up on the show notes for 216 so you can see it too I mean it's just too cool for school well my audio stuff was working and I was feeling pretty good I wasn't tired and I said let me just keep on walking so I walked over took six hour and um, met our brother over there so I talked to him about the new six hour line of firearms I'm here at the NRA show with uh, Rick Moravitz from six hour Rick Welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Tell me what's happening with SIG right now. Well, we got a lot of new and exciting things going on this year. Uh, we got some new 1911s. We have our 716 rifle, 516 rifle, our 556 Russian rifle, which is chambered in 762x39. We got a lot of new exciting accessories as well to talk about and check out, and that's why we're here. Tell me about this Russian thing. What's that? 
It's basically our 556 rifle, which used to shoot just 223. It's now chambered in 762 by 39 takes any AK-47 mag, and will shoot any AK round. So it's basically the accuracy of an AR-15, the, re- the reliability of an AK that takes AK rounds. How's the piston thing going for you guys? Excellent. Um, on fire. Uh, we are uh, inundated with orders for 5.56s, 5.16s, 7.16s. Uh, there's a high demand for the piston-driven guns from not just the suppressed market, but just from a reliability standpoint. Uh, a lot of guys like to run the piston because it's easier to maintain than direct impingement, but we also are coming up with our own direct impingement gun to cater those guys that like to tinker and customize their rifles. We have our new M400 coming out in about six to eight weeks commercially, which will be hitting the streets, and that's a straight direct impingement gun. Oh, wow. Tell me about 1911 this thing has. Well, we have a lot of new 1911s. Our 1911 Scorpion is one of our hottest sellers. It has a Magwell G10 Damascus grip made for us custom by Hogue. It's a three-piece grip. It's a revolutionary grip. It's really nice. Uh, we're going to have that on a few different models. We have a 1911 Tac Ops, which has been our top, most popular seller for the last two years. And uh, we got some new 1911 prototypes. We have our new Dragon coming out, and uh, we're getting some feedback from the public on. Our TAC Pack, which is basically a laser light, a holster, mag pouch, extra magazines. It's basically a concealed carry package all in one. Rick, thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. Thank you, bud. Now, I was starting to get my swing now, right? So I went back to the Second Amendment Foundation booth, and when I got back there, uh, Nikki Goser was there as was uh, Dr. John Locke. And I got uh, Doc to sign a copy of his new book, uh, Freedom on it. Frida, Frida, what, uh, what is that thing called? Let me grab the book, let me so I can read it. Freedomnomics, why the free market works and other half-baked theories don't. And uh, it's a rebuttal to Freakonomics and more by John R. Locke Jr., PhD. Yeah. Right next to him was Nikki, and if you've never seen Nikki, Nikki will make you turn your head. Um, and I got her on camera as well. And here's an interview with Nikki. She tells she tells her story, um, kind of new to the Second Amendment activism role on sad circumstances, but she's coming out swinging. Nikki Gozer, well, did I say Nikki? Gosser? Gozer. Gozer. Welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. What's your story, Nikki? Um, back uh, on April 2nd, 2009, my husband was murdered right in front of me by a man who had been stalking me. And um, I'm a right to carry permit holder. But because of Tennessee state law at the time, I had to leave my legal permitted gun locked in my vehicle. And, of course, the man that came in to the restaurant where my husband and I were running our mobile karaoke show uh, when he came in he was not permitted to carry a gun he was carrying that gun illegally and he shot my husband six times right in front of me and um, I'll never know now if I could have had the ability to stop that from happening because I was legislated out of my right to defend my family and I ended up losing my husband that day. So I just do whatever I can to educate people on our Second Amendment rights and um, trying to talk to businesses and let them know that, you know, bad guys are going to carry anyway. And it's better to have good guys there that are actually trained and permitted, people that have passed background checks, had their fingerprints taken. You know, these are not the people that we need to fear. Less than 1% of permit holders ever have their permits revoked for any reason. And the few that do, it's for nonviolent reasons, like they accidentally carried the gun into a, a gun, no guns allowed zone. Um, you know, the permit holders are very law-abiding people, and I just want uh, more people to understand that, and I would really like to see more people carrying. Okay, thank you very much. What's the... Um you're open carry or conceal carry person? I actually conceal carry. Um, I don't have anything against open at all. I just personally, for myself, you know, I, I don't want anyone taking that gun off of me. They don't need to know that I've got it. You know, I, if I need to use it, I will. But they don't need to know that I have it. I, uh, I, I really think that element of surprise is, is pretty important. 
you know, the bad guy, especially for a woman, you know, we're at a huge disadvantage anyway because we're a lot smaller. I mean, take a 170-pound guy, he doesn't even have to have a gun on him, and he can overtake a woman pretty pretty easily. So I, I think, especially for women, you know, me personally, I choose to conceal. Now, you shoot shotguns too, don't you? I do. I just, I just started... I just learned how to... Uh, I peeped in Facebook. I saw... Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, she shoots shotgun. Yeah. I, last year, I kind of picked up uh, skeet shooting. I've got a Mossberg 20-gauge uh, over and under. It's a silver reserve. I love it. And, um, yeah, I went out and started skeet shooting, and I actually went hunting. I got a quail and a chucker. They showed me how to clean them, but, you know, it's pretty nasty. I mean, I would if I had to, but I prefer somebody else to do right, it for right, me. right. If I was starving, you know, I'd clean it, but... <laughs> oh, that works. That works. As a Second Amendment advocate, what do you do now? You know, I just travel whenever I can. Anyone that wants to uh, to talk to me or have me come in and speak to a, a group of people on the importance of self-defense and our right to keep and bear arms, I'm more than happy to do that. I just I want people to learn from my experience and... I don't want my husband to have died in vain. I want uh, I want people's lives to uh, be impacted by the tragedy that we went through and think about their own existence, their families, protecting their families, and realize that there are bad people out there. There are. They walk amongst us every day, and you've got to protect yourself and your family. Do you have a website we can contact you on? You know what? I don't... Or email or anything? I do have an email. It's nrm0108 at yahoo.com. But I don't have a website set up yet. I'm still working on it. No problem. I've actually got a book that I'm working on. I finished the manuscript, and right now I'm working on getting a publisher, but that should be out within the next year, I would guess. So... We'll see where that goes. Keep me abreast of what's going on. I help promote all your stuff. All right. I appreciate it so much. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. All right. We're going to pause for a quick second for a commercial break, and we'll be right back, and I'll take you back inside the NRA Convention 2011. Hi. I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget crossbreedholsters.com. Your eyes are priceless. Don't settle for less than ESS iPro. Advanced eye protection systems for military, law enforcement, and fire rescue professionals. Protect your eyes and look good doing it. Designed to take on the planet's most hostile and unforgiving environments. Featuring cutting-edge technologies, patented innovations for peak performance, and uncompromised eye safety. ESSIPro.com Tell them Ken Blanchard sent you. ESSIPro.com All right, I'm black. I mean, I'm back. And uh, speaking of black, the NRA convention. Let's say there was 20,000 people on the floor on Saturday when I was there. You could probably put all the black folks, all the Asians, all the Hispanic people in one suite. If I rented a room and had a party, we could all fit in there. Um, There was probably with Daryl and I. Uh, just a handful of people of color, uh, yellow, brown. It was probably one of the most, I don't know what you want to call it. There was a real lack of diversity at this year's event. But the good news is I didn't feel danger or threatened or not welcome. Just the opposite. I fit in. Um, it's just I wanted to make sure that you know that it's okay if you're not a white person 
to come to an NRA event. Um, it's not a clan member. It's not a skinhead function. Um, I actually helped a guy out who had all these blazing Confederate flags embroidered on his shirt. He wanted to uh, promote a gun show and asked to put it on the Second Amendment Foundation's table. And uh, if you didn't look at what he had on, he was a nice guy. But you know how symbols mess you up? The Confederate flag does not mean racism, but it's been used so many times to symbolize it that it can askew your thinking. Well, pretty much gun owners the same way. If you're a person of color, if you are um, Filipino, if you are Asian, if you are African, if you are whatever, not classically the traditional uh, Anglo gun owner. Next year, come on out to the NRA annual meeting. You won't be disappointed. And hopefully you'll see my big face up in there somewhere and we can start something. Right now, everybody's pushing for more women to be at these events, but I wanted to be more everybody, regardless of gender, race, creed, color, or religion. You know, America. All of it. Savvy? All right. All right, next up was a guy from MGI. And I got to look that up to see what that meant. But that, uh, here's an interview with him. He had some really cool looking AKs and uh, AR stuff. Which rifle do you want to talk about? Tell me about MGI. What is it? MGI is a uh, weapons manufacturer in Maine. What we build is a fully modular AR-15. Uh, we can go anything from a 22 to a 50 Beowulf. Uh, currently, we're coming out with a new belt feed, uh, which works with our interchangeable barrel system, interchangeable mag wells. Uh, so basically, the sky's the limit with, is with whatever you want to do. What's your big seller? The, the big seller right now is our AK configuration, which uh, allows you to shoot a 762 by 39 AK round out of an AR-15. You just change what? You change the uh, magwell, your bolt and carrier, and your barrel, which is all mil-spec parts, and which you can do without tools. Do you do pistols or just rifles right now? Uh, we're also uh, offering pistol calibers uh, using an LE magazine for us, which utilizes the Glock magazine, so using factory magazines. Uh, we also do an M3 grease gun setup and a uh, Colt SMG which will run a SMG mag or a modified Uzi. Tell me about this model right here. All right, what it is, it's a uh, Mark 15 Hydra. And what it does is it's got a fully modular lower where you can change uh, at your mag well uh, to accommodate an actual AK mag or your other pistol calibers. Um, And then it also has a quick change barrel system, which within a few seconds you can change out your barrel and then just change your carry and you're shooting another caliber. Nice, nice. Yep, comes standard, uh, fully timed rail across the top, quad rail, free float barrels, run a piston system, gas impingement, or straight blowback. Outstanding. You um, learned from how? You were hunters, military? Yep, I was actually uh, law enforcement. All right. Um, and then a good friend of mine that actually does LE sales for MGI brought me in and said after uh, uh, career change, brought me in, said, hey, you interested in coming to work with us? And I said, absolutely, once I saw the product, because, uh, you know, not only do I sell the product, I own the product. Nice, nice, so. nice. And this is Lance Sanborn from MGI Industries, right? Or MG Industries, there we go. MG Industries. That's correct. Anything that you want to pass on and nobody might not know? I'd share um, my listeners. Absolutely. Uh, if they uh, have any questions or comments, they want to go to our website. It's mgimilitary.com. Uh, or they can send us a general email if they've got questions after the fact to uh, MGI at MGIMilitary.com, and one of us would be more than happy to get back to them. Thanks, Lance. All right, thank you. All right, after I left Lance, I kind of looked yep. around, you know, and uh, they had a pyramid air gun range up on the top level of this place. It was like three floors of stuff, and uh, it's more than just a gun show. There was a uh, annual meeting of members going on. I think that happened around 11 o'clock right before lunch. It's a three-day event, and they had workshops going on like National Firearms Law Seminar, 
There was an Isla grassroots workshop. Um, they even had some cooking techniques. You could smell sausage like uh, up on the top level. There was a refuse to be a victim seminar. There was a thing about methods of concealed carry. Uh, Craig Boddington had an African experience talking about uh, hunting and a lot of stories from Africa. They had uh, some active volunteers talking about in their own words. They had uh, had a little thing about the uh, 1911 since it was a 100-year anniversary. Um, And... They even had a little section on hunters. All these little seminars, like all over the place. The thing was underwritten by uh, that really cool guy, Larry Potterfield from Midway, USA. And his stuff was everywhere. He had like the, the name badges and stuff. You could, um, all the stuff had his stuff on it. It was kind of cool. There was exhibitors for everything. I mean, stuff that you only seen in the magazine, it was there. And, uh, they had a few, you know, people signing their own books. I think Friday, uh, Ambassador Bolton was around. Uh, Dave Cab- Cabela was around. Uh, Secretary uh, Blackwell, Ken Blackwell was around signing his book called uh, The Blueprint. A Saturday, there was uh, Ted Nugent was signing stuff. And Honorable um, Donald Rumsfeld was around. Uh, Colonel North was in the house. Uh, Governor Mike Huckabee was around, I think, on Sunday. I mean, it was a it was a big to do. I mean, you could just get lost in one section. And then downstairs, they were like some of the smaller vendors. But down there, Dick Heller was down there. And uh, I met Keith. Hadn't seen Keith in a while. Um, and I actually rolled up on uh, Bill Sias that I uh, got my guitar from and a couple of more people. I mean, I was like... I was in hugging mode. I was just hugging people all day long. It was just too nice for words. But I was getting a little hungry. But I was just having too much darn fun, too. You're listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast from KenBlanchard.com. If you want to call Ken, you can leave a message toll-free in the U.S. at 888-675-0202. Or contact him at BlackManWithAGun at gmail.com. I don't hunt, but I saw a huge booth of uh, women who have hunting apparel and knowing that they probably knew Barbara Baird, I had to stop over and see what they were selling. And this is Ken again, Urban Shooter Podcast with the folks at Proist. What's Proist? Proist is a high function hunting apparel for women. We also specialize in shooter gear, shooter shirts, shooter jackets. And everything we do is athletic driven, performance driven high-end fabrics, really built for the women who are out there working hard at it. How long have you guys been in business? Uh, this is our fourth year. Oh, not novices anymore. Not not too much, anyway. <laughs> Where do you see most of your sales going to? Um, we see a lot of them in the West, but we're starting to get a lot more pushing out East. Oh, we do deal. really well in you know Oregon, California, Colorado, which is where we're based out of Montana. Oh, okay. We're getting oh. a lot more out toward the Midwest now. Where folks hunt, though. Right on. <laughs> we're um, hunting more or fishing, too? Um, hunting more, hunting more. We see, we have a small group of people who will do, um, you know, use camel for fishing, but mostly hunting. Also, okay. shooting. And what's different about ProWest than any other thing? Um, I would say that it's performance driven. It's not out about really getting out there and looking cute. Everything we do is high end fabrics, very well thought out features that actually make you better out in the field instead of just a matter of looking cute. Um, it's all about thermoregulation and layering systems and keeping warm and being efficient while you're out there. What's the website for ProWest? It would be www.proishunting.com. ProWestHunting.com. Yes, ProWestHunting.com. Right. Thanks very much. And you are? Kirsty Pike. Kirsty, pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. How's the show going? She wanted to know how the show was going. It's going good. Well, it was. How am I doing? Is this okay? This is a little bit different. I wanted to take you with me on the NRA trip. Um, you're missing thousands of people you're missing a lot of guns and new products you're missing the aviance but i'm trying to bring it a little bit to you i tried to tweet that stuff but uh, i couldn't tweet and look and do all that stuff at the same time but i did have a good time all right and my last interview is the ceo of air force air guns i have the ceo 
of air, air force air guns. What can you tell me about the air guns, sir? Well, these are pre-charged pneumatic air guns. Uh, these have been around for several years, but they're starting to pick up momentum now in sales because people are becoming more aware of them. Mm -hmm. uh, they're more accurate and more powerful than spring guns. Uh, you have to have a charging system uh, of either a hand pump or a scuba tank, and that's the reason why it's taken a while for them to catch on. But the advantages of the higher power capabilities and, and greater accuracy capabilities are winning more and more people over every year. How many shots per barrel, per tank? Well, the, it's interesting that you bring that up because the unlike spring guns, these guns have adjustable velocity. Oh. You, can, you can vary the velocity level, and at high velocity settings, you'll get 10 to 20 shots per cylinder. And at low velocity settings, probably 50, 60 shots per cylinder, or per charge. What caliber are they using? Regular pellet? We have all the standard uh, air gun calibers. 177, 20, 22, and 25. We have three different barrel lengths, 12, 18, and 24. All calibers and all barrel lengths will interchange with all models. So we have a we have we sell accessory barrels quite a bit. Does a barrel wear out or something? Or? No, it's just variety, uh, different shooting applications. What would I use a 22 for usually? Most people use the larger calibers like 22 and 25 for hunting larger game animals. Fox, coyote. Fox, coyote, raccoon. If I can ask, what's the uh, price point for one of 22s? The there's three, three basic models we have of the, of the higher velocity versions, and they sell for anywhere from 550 to 650 retail. We also have a 10 meter target rifle that we sell in three position sporter class, and it's 679 retail uh, with precision micrometer sights. To get set up to, with a CO2 tank or air tank, what, what I need, what's the, um, to start off, what I need? We actually sell packages, uh, like for instance, you could buy a gun scope and recharge clamp for a scuba tank combination for somewhere from six to seven hundred, and then all you need is uh, a used scuba tank from some source. I would rather be there. You could go to the, your local dive shop and get your scuba tank topped off, and then fill from that scuba tank for ten to fifteen times. Oh, okay. Nice, 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 nice. Where are you guys out of? Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. What's the website for Air Force guns, Air Guns? www.airforceairguns.com. Can't beat that. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for stopping. All right. Appreciate it. Now, though my interviews seem to stop, I did get a chance to meet Zach at Long Wolf Distributors, and we had a nice long talk, and uh, saw Michael Bain, and we... Well, we yucked it up, met, showed me, introduced me to uh, one of the best revolver shooters in the world. And there was a lot of people just kind of floating around that you run into and you see him on magazines and stuff. It was kind of cool like that. And uh, got on stage with Cam Edwards for NRA News. Finally met him face to face. And we talked about uh, how I got into this thing and where I hope to go with it. And it was kind of neat. And there's just so many people. That, um, that you'll meet, that you'll see, that you get a chance to be with. And me and Daryl decided to go find some lunch. So we stepped outside after I get my media badge and uh, ate probably one of the best hamburgers I had in a long time. Uh, Henry Angelo's or Angeles or something like that across the street. Good stuff. Uh, then we came back now that I wasn't uh, tripping because my voice was starting to get kind of crazy. I think I'm hyperglycemic or something. I was getting a little little giddy from lack of food and I uh, came back and uh, talked to some more people shook a few more hands hugged a few more people and uh, we wrapped it up and prepared to head on back down to the nation's capital about 3 o'clock that afternoon uh, I was still getting a few texts from people who were looking for me they were just getting there and uh, I felt kind of bad but uh Got in the car and off we went. 
No problems at all. Except we got through Pittsburgh and my car, GPS, decided to take us through small town Pennsylvania. It was kind of nice, actually. It's nice to see that part of America. Speeds were like 25 miles an hour and there's a million lights, but we saw the small town. Well, I was born in a small town And I lived in a small town Probably die in a small town No, the small community All my friends are so small town My parents live in the same small town My job is not so small town Provides big opportunity Educated in a small town Taught to be Jesus in a small town Used to daydream in that small town Another boring romantic, that's me I've seen it all in a small town Had myself a ball in a small town Married a New York baby and brought her to this small town Now she's small town just like me I cannot forget where it is that I come from I can't forget the people who love me I need myself here in this small town And people let me be just what I want to be enough to say, look who's in the big town. But my bed is in a small town. Oh, and that's good enough for me. Well, I was born in a small town. And I can breathe in a small town. I'm gonna die in a small town. And that's probably where they bury me. I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com. Is the cost of ammo bringing you down? Are you ready to have fun with your firearm again? If you need ammo, your friend and brother from a different mother has the answer. LuckyGunner.com Good prices. LuckyGunner.com If your time is valuable, LuckyGunner.com Order your ammo today. LuckyGunner.com Where you won't waste your time and the shipping is fast. 
It's 110% guaranteed. LuckyGunner.com You're listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast from KenBlanchard.com. If you want to call Ken, you can leave a message toll-free in the U.S. at 888-675-0202 or contact him at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Hey, will y'all be upset if we go over an hour today? It's going to be a little longer. Just don't want to leave anything out. Is that okay? Cool. I appreciate that. Next up, we get Barbara, who's been hunting spring turkey. Hey, Urban Shooter. This is Barbara Baird, Women's Outdoor News. Sorry I missed you last week, but I was in a place that had no cell service, in the turkey woods of the Ozarks of Missouri. Over the course of the spring gobbler season, I have yet to fill either of my two tags. I have, however, had more than my fill of the following items. Poison ivy. Check. Shot in the rear end for poison ivy. Check. Steroids for poison ivy because shot did not work. Check. Blisters on heels from wet leather boots and having to hike miles in those boots. Check. Bloody ear from briar bush that tried to scalp me. Check. Lost fleece vest and car and truck keys in said pocket of said lost fleece vest. Check. Arms and legs that look like a junkie's body from briars poking and scratching at me. Check. This week I'm going back in, but this time I'm taking a turkey tutor with me. My pal from southwest Missouri, Ms. Marty Davis, on the pro staffs of Mossy Oak, Moultrie Products, and Night and Hail Calls, will be my turkey tutor as we go all gorilla-style turkey hunting undercover deep in the woods. Those gobblers are hand up, and they are not responding to my lovesick attempts at making them want my little lone hen. I wonder, do they think my hen sounds like a loser? Does she sound like the class librarian or a zit queen? Do they think she sounds like a prude? All I know is that I get a lot of spit inside my mask when I try to use my mouth call, and, well, I'm not so sure that my slate and box calls are having the desired effect. So far, in the five days afield, I have yet to call a big boy in close enough to see, let alone shoot him with my Browning 12-gauge. I'll let you know if the tutoring session works and, and why. Until then, this urban shooter gal is heading back out into the woods for another round of adventure before turkey season closes. For news, reviews, and stories about women in the outdoors, check us out online. We're an easy that you'll probably like www.womensoutdoornews.com Thanks, Ken. Uh, you're most welcome, Barbara. You know, you're the one of the only women that makes me feel like a couch potato. But I ain't hating. I love you to death. You go, lady. Last week on Zombie Strike. <laughs> Last week in Chapter 8, or Part 8, Last week, part eight, chapter 78, we were in Kirkwood, Missouri, and uh, young Evan Torelli was deafened by the twin roars as he blasted a golem that was attacking him from behind, and not a bad shot. But Jim stepped into the fight, and he and the golem went head to head. Jim got cracked in the chest by a big black axe, and even though he took the golem out with his revolver, he took a hit to the chest, split his uh, protective armoring, and uh, actually drew blood, but he's still in the fight. They got a chance to learn about each other after they knocked down a few of the, well, not a few. They kicked butt at the school and took some names. All the zombies there got knocked out, but uh, they got poor Evan got a call right before uh, we ended from his father asking where he was because back home, Zombies were attacking Evan's family. Oh, don't that suck? And that brings us to this week's episode to see what happened back in Evan's neighborhood. This is Zombie Strike. And what are zombies doing in Missouri of all places? Lord of mercy. This 
is Zombie Strike. Part 8, Chapter 79, Kirkwood, Missouri, 4 June 2011. 0030 hours, local. Countdown, 6 months, 26 days. Evan Torelli's heart was in his throat as Jim sped through the streets. The teen didn't even notice his surroundings. His mind kept relaying the last words his father said before he hung up the phone. He told Evan to stay away because zombies were attacking the house. Instead, Evan was riding back to his house in the company of the world's finest zombie hunters. That should have given Evan some hope, but he could hear the zombies crashing through the windows. Boss, we're starting to see the edge of the panic, Jim said to Mateo Cortez, the zombie strike field leader. Evan looked up and saw a wave of stampeding humanity coming down the road at them. Side street, now, Mateo snapped. Evan was smashed against the window as Jim whipped the SUV through a quick turn and raced through a parking lot. The SUV bounced over landscaping as Jim dodged speeding cars fleeing the area. Jim drifted the truck into a street and hammered the gas pedal. The truck jerked with a sudden acceleration. Oh good, I only have to play Dodge Car now, Jim commented as he slalomed through collars driving down the wrong side of the road. Chief, this is getting a bit insane, even for me. I'm sticking right behind you, Chief Stahl said over the team radio net. Try not to get us killed before we even get to the horde. Jim didn't respond. He gripped the steering wheel tight and gritted back the pain from his earlier wound. With this much traffic, we should be seeing the horde soon, Mateo said. As soon as we see the horde, we stop and evaluate. But we're still a few miles from my home, Evan argued. Mateo looked back at the teen with a sorrowful expression. Evan, we will do everything we can to save your family. But we can't do that if we're dead. Mateo said. That means we have to fight smart, or we'll find ourselves beyond crush without a way out. Evan wanted to scream at his hero that he save his family. Wasn't that what heroes were supposed to do? Evan slammed his fist against the seat. He knew Mateo was right. Evan spent too much time on the web learning about how to fight the undead. After getting past the whole shoot him in the head basics, most of the posts were on how to push back the point of crush. The theory was simple. At the point of crush, the sheer mass of zombies, Horde would overcome the speed at which the defenders could put them down and be crushed under the tide of undead. The idea was to push back the point of crush through the use of modern weapons, prepared defenses, trained personnel, and tactics. Chief, we found the Horde. Jim said an instant before slamming on the brakes and sliding the SUV. Evan was sure the truck was going to roll, but it just teetered at the edge through Jim's slide. The second SUV slid next to them, forming a defense line against the horde of zombies. Quentin half-shoved, half-carried Evan out of the SUV. The teen barely kept a hold of his double barrel against a rushing wall of human. Evan's feet barely graced the asphalt before the meaty hands guided him out, shoved Evan against the side of the SUV. Quentin's face clearly told Evan to stay put and not get into trouble. Evan nodded, and the obsidian face broke into a comforting smile. Evan smiled back, weakly. The smiles were wiped away by the cacophony of moans from the horde. Evan turned around and peered through the SUV's windows. The entire six-lane street was filled with hundreds of zombies. Evan couldn't make out much in the dim light from the side streetlights, but he could make out the familiar shambling walk. Was his family in that horde? Could he fight them if they were? The questions and fear raced through him as he stared at the solid mass of undead. Matt, we got a mix of old corpses and fresh kills in that group, just reported. The girl sniper was perched on top of the second SUV. I don't see any minions or golems. You have a count? Mateo asked. A lot, 
Jess answered. They're hard packed in there, and that hoard has to be at least a hundred yards deep. Boss, there are at least a thousand head out there. Chief Stahl said, if we're going to engage them, we need to break out the MGs, quick. Do it, Mateo ordered. Jess, Slim, and Jim, engage at max range. Everyone else will engage as soon as the Chief and Quinton have the heavies up. Sport, I want a wall of frags about midway. See if we can break this up into some smaller hordes. We're not going to make it home, are we? Evan asked Mateo as evenly as he could. Mateo looked Evan in the eye with a neutral expression. I can't let a horde this size keep moving. It'll keep growing until it wipes out St. Louis, Mateo answered. Evan looked back at Chief Stahl, and the Steve hauled out two large machine guns from the back of the second SUV. Then I'll go home on my own, Evan said defiantly. Jim's hand grabbed the boy's shoulder and spun Evan around. The normal chilfro expression on the cowboy's face was replaced by a stone-cold look of authority. No, you won't, Jim said. Even if you get past that horde, there's probably more. Past that will be the survivors, most of who will shoot first and ask questions later. You want to get home, then you gotta help us fight. The cowboy shoved a box of shotgun shells into Evan's hands. But my dad, Evan said before Jim cut him off. Your dad's a good man. Would he want you to save his life at the expense of everyone else? Jim asked. Evan shook his head, barely holding back the tears. Evan, I need you in the line, Mateo said. Get over there by the Steve and make sure nothing gets near him. The sudden order acted like a lifeline for Evan as he nearly drowned in a sea of emotion. Evan focused on Mateo's order and trotted over to the Steve. The medic rested the machine gun's bipod on the hood of the SUV. Evan set the box of shells on the hood before he noticed it was a box of slugs. He broke open his shotgun and loaded the first two slugs. Three rifles cracked almost simultaneously as the team sharpshooters began their work. Evan's mouth went dry. And this was different than the fight at the school. Things seemed to happen so quickly. This time, Evan could only wait as the zombies inched into range. His mind raced through all the worst possibilities. Evan was terrified. And not about fighting the zombies. He knew he could do that. Evan was terrified the zombie strike couldn't finish this fight in time to get to his home. The thought stopped as the two machine guns opened up. All right, well, that's it for this week. And uh, thank you for joining me again. Please, if you like this show, feel free to uh, share it with your friends. Send it the link, the MP3 file, to a couple of people on your list and um, have them teach them how to subscribe or just have them comment to me and I'll give them a link so they can hook them up. Big shout out to Tim of the Concealed Carry Association, to Denny Chapman, my brother, to Nikki. Go, sir. To Lance at MGI. To Rick at Six Hour. Big ups again to the U.S. Navy. Big shout out to the President of the United States. Dr. Paula, we tried our best. Looks like they put that stuff on hold for a minute. Maybe there was a big surge at the end, and instead of losing battle, they just put it on pause. I think whatever you guys are doing, is working. Big shout out to the Illinois State Rifle Association trying to get concealed carry. To my brother Richard of bluesheepdog.com. That's my dog right there. To my new friends at No Lawyers Only Guns and Money blog. Thanks for putting my mug on your page and for the warm greetings at the annual meeting. To Keith. Yeah, Keith. My man, thank you, brother, so much. You made me feel like a king. And I don't deserve that. To all the U.S. military, past and present, law enforcement and security professionals, 
who don't get much, I appreciate you. And many of us do. To my wife, thank you, baby. And to you, thanks for listening, downloading and subscribing again to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thanks for the great reviews on iTunes. Thanks for being a part of my Facebook family. And you can join that too. Look for Pastor Ken Blanchard there. My Twitter feed is Ken N. Blanchard and the website where these show notes will be. And don't forget to check out the uh, Pistolero, my friend Deke. He'll be on there twirling his pistols, which actually shoot too. The dude was bad. And uh, I might take a class here shortly. The weather has warmed up. And after I get done sneezing, I'm going to ride my motorcycle. Thank you for your gift of friendship. You know the best gifts to give? To your friend, loyalty. To your enemy, forgiveness. To your boss, good service. To your child, a good example. To your parents, gratitude and devotion. To your mate, love and faithfulness. To all men and women, charity. And most of all, to your God, your life. May God bless you. Shalom, baby. This concludes another weekly edition of the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thanks for listening. Feel free to leave Ken a review on iTunes about the show. Join the forum on blackmanwithagun.info or comment on the show notes on kenblanchard.com. You know what the difference is between you and me? I make this look good.